This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tusick. On today's episode, I interviewed Isaiah Jackson. Uh, you might know him better as Bitcoin Zay on Twitter. Isaiah is the author of Bitcoin and Black America. He also hosts his own podcast, Community Crypto, the daily podcast on YouTube and everywhere else. Um, and we hit, we talked about his book, uh, Bitcoin in the Black Community, and you know how he sees Bitcoin being able to help the Black community, but also you know all communities in general, and, and helping lead people towards you know being more self-sufficient, self-sustaining, and, and self-sovereign. Um, and we also got into his background about how he you know got into Bitcoin and how his background in IT helped lead him down that path. Um, we also discuss a little bit about where he sees Bitcoin going in the future, you know, what the new what the new frontier looks like. Uh, and then we also talk about a little bit about his uh, Bitcoin Classic Basketball Tournament. It's the, the first Bitcoin basketball tournament that will be happening down in Miami during the conference. So uh, it was a great, I really enjoyed my, my talk with Isaiah. And without further ado, here is my interview with Isaiah Jackson. I think we're recording. I hate how on Zoom it doesn't show you like time rolling. Like I guess that's the filmmaker in me. Like I want to see like the timestamp rolling and like you know I need somebody to come in like all right action you know. Um, <laughs> all good. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, brother. Um. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to uh, reach out to you about first is that I love that you took like straight into the angle of, you know, um, Bitcoin and black America and your book, you know, and, and, um, and really trying to help, you know, your community. And, and I think that also in general helps communities at large. Um, but, you know, before we get into that, I was curious, um, what is, what's your background and how did you stumble into Bitcoin? Cause we oh, all yeah. stumble so, into it, you know, <laughs> nobody. Ex- exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like we're all lucky to, to find out about it, especially, as early as I did, 2013 is when oh, I heard about Bitcoin. Um, the way I stumbled into it is I had a roommate. He worked for a financial institution and uh, he came home and was like, yeah, they're talking about this thing called Bitcoin. I have no clue what it is. It's too technical for me. And my background was in IT. I did IT for a law firm. I was a teacher. I taught high school before that. Um, so I have a, and a computer science degree. So I have a technical background. He kind of passed it off to me. And in 2013, um, you know, just took off from there, read a lot, continue to, I still read pretty much every single day uh, about it. And my entry into it, um, as far as my background was, uh, I believe in 08, when the financial recession happened, the hardest hit people were people like me in college. Like we're already extremely broke. Like <laughs> we're putting oh, yeah. change, change together to buy burgers at Wendy's. Like we're already broke. And then the financial recession happened and I didn't realize how inept our leaders were or our banks and our financial institution. And when I saw that, that's really my background is when I saw that, I was like, something has to change. I didn't know what it was, but you know, five years later, Bitcoin comes about and it was just like instant. I know this is, this can be it. And then I've spent the rest of my life since then, the last eight years, uh, letting other people know. Yeah. And um, so you, so it sounds like we're probably around the same. When did you graduate college? Uh, 2011. Okay. Yeah. I graduated in yep. 09. So, so we're yep. around the, you know, we yep. kind of in that same world of like, <laughs> I remember people yeah. telling me like, like, wow, this is like the worst time to graduate college. I was like, 
Thanks. I, pretty much. I don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know how to react to that other than okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it's nuts. And where'd you go to school? NC State in Raleigh. NC North State. Carolina. Okay. All right. So we had. Yep. Is that Philip Rivers? Yep. Philip yeah, Rivers, Rivers was he was a senior when I was coming in. Uh, and then Mario Williams as well. Uh, he, he got drafted number one at defensive end. Oh yeah, in yeah, Texas. yeah. So yeah, yeah. So they got some. They got a few people at NC State, but you know, not as big as Carolina Duke. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, I mean, we have uh, Bill Cower, uh, the you know yeah. Steeler coach. Mm-hmm. He yep. he played at NC State, um, mm-hmm. and then I think he moved down to North Carolina after he retired for a little bit. But now yeah. he's got that New York gig da- with uh, yeah. his daughter goes there. Yeah, his daughter went there. Yeah, so <clears throat> he was there for a while, and his daughter went there uh, around the time I did, maybe a little bit after. So, I love yeah. the the ACC to get a, get on a basketball tangent because I went to Pitt and we were part of the Big East, nice. um, and the Big East, you know, was like great uh, for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I really always loved the ACC. So, I mean, as a Pitt grad, I'm like we're like outsiders, you know what I mean? Like I don't feel <laughs> like we belong in the ACC. We definitely don't. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, the it's a I love that conference and um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a it's a little intense. And I'm a Michigan <laughs> fan, so last night was brutal for me. Oh um, man, yeah, that was tough. UCLA, <laughs> UCLA did it. But you know, know. what's funny? Um, you went to Pitt. I was this close to going to Pitt. No if way. They would have get if they would have gave a full scholarship. I probably would have went, but because I was out of state. It only covered probably like seventy five percent, and I was like, ah, mm. I can go for free to NC State, but Pitt was number two. Oh, no <laughs> so I would have been in school. Awesome. I would have been in school. I would have been in school with you. So Dude, we probably would have been. So. We probably been hanging. Um, because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it, uh, it, I love the campus there. It's just a, uh, it's a cool city campus, you know, and and mm-hmm. um, and then the Cathedral of Learning, you know, the big. Yep. Uh, it's like the tallest educational building. My wife calls it Hogwarts because on the inside it kind of <laughs> looks like Hogwarts. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, those were the days, and um, my. Uh, we we would go up like late at night and hang out on the top of the building. I don't want to say mm-hmm. too much and get the. Uh, I'm sure my <laughs> if my dad's listening to this, he's probably shaking his head like, "Oh god." Um, but uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, so the, you you got a full ride then. So what was that for? Was that for um, for your major or was that for? Did you do sports was, or? Well, the initial thing was sports. Uh, I got letters uh to or i got recruited to go to the presbyterian college uncw but i decided to go to nc state to walk on because from an academic standpoint i had a full scholarship the first year um and my biggest thing is i always felt like i was smart but i didn't really care that much about college like i just being honest i didn't care i was it was too i'm right there with you man it it was too broad for me i was like i don't know what i want to do with my life i know it's not this i know it's not that i don't really even know why i'm here so my grades fell the first year, so my scholarship was gone. It was all good, you know, got through it. But, yeah, um, that's the reason I chose NC State, full ride, and it's local. And the good thing uh, about NC State is that it is a big engineering school, biggest in the South. Um, so mm-hmm. as far as computer engineering goes, so I work with some of the best. You know, Cisco's right up the street. The Research Triangle is 20 minutes away. So got to intern and work with a lot of cool people at NC State. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Do you, and did you play basketball there? Uh, I walked on. Well, I walked on freshman year, and it's it's a funny story. Two weeks before we took team pictures, um, I got the notice that you and uh, another friend I had have a chance to make the team. And 
he, they were like, well, one of you are going to make it. And then we both kind of became friends because neither one of us actually wanted to play because what we realized was if I walk on, we're practicing at 6 a.m. We got shoot around at, at 2. We got, you know, uh, team meeting later, team dinner and all this stuff. And this was before school started. So this is the summer yeah. leading up to freshman year. I was like, I'm not playing in the NBA. I'm not getting any time. I'm not about to go through all this rigorous stuff. Uh, I want to enjoy my college year. So I walked on, but I actually quit before the team pictures. Uh, but, you know, the good thing was I won all the the, the intramural championships every oh, single year yeah. I was there. So, <laughs> yeah, it was just like me and a bunch of guys who decided not to play D1 basketball. You know, we just ran through it by intramurals. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like big a... basketball fan. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Cause I, I played, I played hockey for Pitt. So um, okay. I, I can kind of relate to that. Cause after we were, after we were done, there was like a group of us that did an adult league and, uh, and it was mm-hmm. just murder. It was like, <laughs> we yeah, were just, it's, you it's know, too easy. <laughs> yeah. And we were also like getting in fights with people and stuff. And it's like, it was like these mm-hmm. dudes who were like, you know, like accountants and like, like construction yeah. workers, <laughs> like in their thirties and forties playing exactly. against us. And like, we're just flipping out on them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's it's good. To, so you, I saw you mention uh, you're gonna. Uh, are you hosting a basketball tournament down in Miami for the Bitcoin conference? Oh, oh yeah, so the Bitcoin Classic, first in the world uh, to the winners, they win Bitcoin. The first event is actually in May. That's in Connecticut. Uh, the winners there will all receive, be a Satoshi Millionaire, the winning team. And then in Miami, the winning team wins twenty five thousand worth of Bitcoin. Um, that'll oh, nice. be at the Bitcoin Bitcoin twenty twenty one conference. Uh, right now, it's just team sign up, but we're trying to implement, you know, three-point shootout and dunk contest and get some NBA players in and, and basically just awareness around Bitcoin because at halftime, there'll be somebody who does like a small speech. There'll be handouts mm-hmm. for people, uh, probably the little Bitcoin book, probably hand out to everybody, um, just because we want to make sure that even if you don't understand Bitcoin or understand this space, uh, you don't really have to change what you do. So we're, we're basically making this, hey, you want to watch basketball anyway, why not learn about Bitcoin while you do it? Um, so this is just one of many events I'm, I'm planning on, but yeah, it'll be in Miami, June 5th and 6th at Bitcoin 2021. That's awesome. And, uh, I'll see if I can wrangle a team together. Cause, um, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm not like patting myself on the back. I'm a good athlete, but when it comes mm-hmm. to basketball, my family is historically terrible at shooting a basketball. <laughs> hey, and, we always need somebody to set picks and play yeah. good defense. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm like, it's funny. Cause, uh, my buddy and like my best friend in college, was a basketball player and so we'd play with like the basketball kids and i was i was good at like dishing the ball and um you know and, and passing but yeah whenever it came to shooting it was like <laughs> god i hope it hits the backboard um, <laughs> and then yeah. like now i got to this point where i at two different occasions in my life i broke my wrists like mm-hmm. each of the wrist and i can't make each one like flat so like when i'm trying to shoot like my hand is automatically aimed off the center so so maybe it'll be just entertainment purposes like you could stick me on the court and i'll just like launch bricks left and right um good entertainment value because nobody there is gonna be a professional i can say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love you bitcoiners but most uh probably not the most athletic group of people not at all yeah (laughs) might have a couple nba players that show up but i don't know if they're playing well, you know, we're seeing too, because um, that's one of the things I'm reaching out to now that I mean, I'm in my 30s. There's like my Rolodex of like pro athletes where I was like, oh, I wonder if any of them are into it. But they're all like retired now, too. So they're probably not, you know, dumping their NFL or N- NBA, anything like that salaries into into uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> so they're doing mm-hmm. other things. And I'm like, ah, oh, like, so I'm trying to I'm, what do you think about that? I mean, I see 
you know, there's a lot of obviously Russell Okung with, you know, was the first one that came out, but I mean, there's like five guys in the NFL that just came out and said they're all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you and think we're going to see like a big wave of that? Actually, it's already started um, as far as NFL NBA players that I know personally that have Bitcoin know about it. Um, a lot of their entry into it was NFTs, which again, my theory with NFTs is that all roads lead to Bitcoin at some point. Yep. Uh, so even if that's their entryway, the crypto side of it, they'll get to Bitcoin at some point. So I think we have a long way to go, but there's way more professional athletes that have Bitcoin than people realize. They just don't say it out loud because usually their financial manager or their financial planner or their, their agent or somebody's like, you can't put this out. It's a very polarizing uh, mm-hmm. discussion or they weren't supposed to buy it. Because I know a lot of NBA players that in 2017, when I was talking to them, they're like, yeah, my financial manager said, don't touch Bitcoin. It's too volatile. It's too risky. And they listened to him. Then the price, of course, in the latter part of 2020 accelerated so fast. They were like, man, forget that. I'm buying yeah. Bitcoin whether they want it or not. So there's a lot more than you than people know. Uh, but there there is a, a huge swell of professional players getting into the space. I uh, just talked to the, the head of technology for uh, the LA Clippers mm-hmm. and spoke to some people uh, in the NBA who are, they have a blockchain coalition that they're starting. Uh, oh, so they're, awesome. they're, they're not really going away like the, the NFTs portion, but the Bitcoin portion of it is going to be a little bit slower only because people don't understand it. I think NFTs, you can get it quick. Like it's, it's there, you buy it, you know, it's auction. Bitcoin is so many, you go so deep in a rabbit hole. Most people think it's, you know, pretty yeah. hard to, to learn, but honestly, it's, it's really simple. Just buy it and wait. I mean, it's, it's maybe the, the easiest investment of all time. Uh, it's not sexy like cryptos and Lambos and girls in bikinis and whatever, whatever. But yeah, just dollar cost average and wait. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of people make it more, uh, you know, more difficult than it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that there's I think that's one of the biggest opportunities, all the athletes getting into it. You know, like I think the NBA um, has kind of been at the forefront of this. A lot of their players with their self-management of their, their finances, you know, and like protecting their wealth going forward. Um, yeah. Cause you know, like whether it's, you know, shoe deals and then, and, and striking their own business partnerships and, yeah. and everything like that. I mean, what LeBron now has his own agency or, or yeah. no, like, I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's crazy, but it's, but I was like always thinking that they're going to get into it because they're all about they they understand what devaluing their dollar looks like you know what i mean so like even though Mm -hmm. even though lebron you know is making like however much he is for the next x number of years he can look into the future and go oh man my contract just got slashed in half you know yeah pretty much Um, i mean inflation inflation is basically taking their money before they without them knowing it so yeah you're right keeping keeping the wealth is the hard part getting it for them is pretty easy but yeah, keeping it is is priceless. And that's what I think they don't understand about Bitcoin is when they see a 15 to 20 percent inflation rate and the value of their dollar goes down so much they can't afford stuff they usually could. Bitcoin is going to become much more, much more viable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how would you explain it to somebody like they're a five year old, maybe 10 year old? A five-year-old that's a little too much, a little too low. It's like Michael Scott level of <laughs> intelligence. But um, but it, you know, I'm curious because I'm hoping, you know, with this being Bitcoin made simple, and I'm hoping that we can kind of be like I want to be that entry level for people in the entertainment business and and mm-hmm. and sports and everything like that to be like, all right, what is this thing? So if they came mm-hmm. up to you and said, dude, Isaiah, explain it, what is it? And you got five oh, yeah. minutes, <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> what, what, what <laughs> What would you say? Yeah, so 
So basically, um, explain it to a 10 year old. Um, Bitcoin is money. Very simply. That's what it is. Bitcoin is money. And because it is digital, there are different factors that make it a superior money than what we already have. There's scarcity. For one, nothing has value without scarcity. For two, you can send it to anybody in the world. Nobody can stop you. And Bitcoin is open 24-7. For three, anytime you discuss what good money is, it should never be devalued 99% over time. And that's what our current dollar has done. And that's why prices are higher now than they were before. And a lot of times when I tell somebody that simply, or even tell like a kid, I'm teaching a Bitcoin summer camp this summer. When I tell them that, I always relate it to something that they're going through. So if it was an actual 10-year-old, I would say, hey, Bitcoin is digital money like you use in video games. Because gamification of Bitcoin, I mm-hmm. think, it gets a lot of kids going. But if it was an older person that just needed very simply, that's what I would put. That's what I would say. Bitcoin is money. It's digital. It's scarce. And anybody can use it. Um, and from there, when they ask the questions, I go further. But that's that's how I would simply explain it. And I don't want to get too deep into the technical side because I think some people are so smart they don't realize you're speaking another language. Like, yeah, you have to. <laughs> you yeah, have it's to a completely different language. I mean, when you start talking about block heights and hash functions and ellipt- elliptic curve, people are like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on, but that that just drove me away. And <laughs> I think a good example is uh, what's his name, Dave Portnoy, yeah, uh, the guy who's a big day trader for Barstool. He was saying the reason he sold Bitcoin is because he talked to the Winklevoss brothers and the way they explained it to him was like, yeah, we're going to be in Mars with aliens and they're going to use crypto. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, see, oh, when you talk to people and you start using all these within our bubble, that may sound good. But when you go to the outside world, you sound like a crazy person. And yeah. that's why you have to relate it to people uh, and meet them where they are. So I, I, that's what I try to do is meet them where they are and see how they can use it. Because humans are, you know, inherently selfish. So you got to you got to relate it to them. Yeah. I mean, you can't go to the Mars route. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you can pay, you know, you can pay for coffee, uh, coffee in a Starbucks on Mars uh, someday in the future, you know, or something like that. That's yeah. um, it, <laughs> something interesting you said about how, like, you think all p- things point back to lead back to Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. And I've. I found that with myself, like I initially kind of spread my money around and then like, and now like I was on this comedian's podcast and in the comments, all these people were calling me like a Bitcoin maxi pad and everything like that. <laughs> and I was like, like, whatever. I mean, I was like, yeah. you'll see, you know, you, you, you work your way back. So to me, I think all this stuff will get built on top of Bitcoin. What do you yeah. see happening? Yeah. And that's exactly what I see. The base layer is Bitcoin. Everything else that's built the, the liquidity, the profit, the whatever people are looking for is going to be in Bitcoin. It's going to be denominated in Bitcoin at some point or converted. And I think that <clears throat> that's very underrated because people, they, they see it as either investment or they see Bitcoin as just another one of the cryptocurrencies. It's like, no, it's the cryptocurrency. <laughs> Everything yeah. else to me are businesses or a, a project, which is fine. You can speculate, but this is different. And I think that uh, all roads lead to Bitcoin simply because, like you just said, Everybody does the same thing. They start with Bitcoin, then they look at the shiny stuff. They're like, oh, look at this, look at this, you know, whatever. But a report uh, just came out today. They showed that the CNBC portfolio that they did in 2017, where they had like Ripple and Monero and Metal, they had like a bunch of ones. Uh, it actually got outperformed by just holding Bitcoin by 140%. That's all you had to do is buy Bitcoin and wait. And all of the, the uh, <laughs> portfolio stuff, I try to remind people, it's like, you do realize when you buy this stuff, and then you sell it again later, that's a taxable event. 
Bitcoin is better. You can buy it and sit on it. Never pay taxes on it if you want to. And you really don't even have to sell it. You can get a loan for it at some point. So it's nothing really close to it, in my opinion. And even though people like, are you a Bitcoin maxi? I'm interested in other things. But when you talk about what works and what has worked, nothing's even close to Bitcoin. And it's only going to get stronger. It's only going to get more <clears throat> more support. And as a base layer, I think it's great. Um, layer two may take out a lot of cryptocurrencies because if you want privacy, you can do it through Lightning Network. If you want quick payments, you can do it through Liquid uh, or Lightning Network. So, you know, I, I just think that it's going to suck up everything uh, into it to a Bitcoin standard, like my man Safety Dean, who wrote the Bitcoin standard, says. So I think I think that's definitely around the corner. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, Guy Swan explained to me, he said that it was like the TC, uh, TCP IP, you know, yep. like the base layer protocol, which is, you know, mm-hmm. talking your language and you probably get that stuff, you know, way yeah. more than I do. Um mm-hmm. But uh, but I was like, yeah, you don't go to like multiple internets. There's one internet, and like, exactly. and so to me, like the idea of owning an entire Bitcoin or let alone a fraction of a Bitcoin in like a hundred years, obviously that doesn't matter to us. But mm-hmm. like maybe even less time is going to be insane. People are going to be like, whoa, you yes. own one? Because like <laughs> there's going to be lightning on top of that. There's going to be other mm-hmm. layers. So it's like like Visa just is going to merge over. You know, mm-hmm. like they're kind they of already doing it. Yeah, for payments. Yeah. And I think um, they're getting out ahead of it as far as the payments game, because, again, Bitcoin is money. So you have three stages, right? So you got to have the store value. It has to be trusted the store value. Then it's medium of exchange. Then the unit of account. I think the next five, seven years will be the medium of exchange era, like moving towards it. Um, but I think <coughs> the promise of Bitcoin <clears throat> will happen because the infrastructure from Visa, infrastructure from PayPal, they already have millions of merchants want to accept it. Uh, but I don't think people will just be spending Bitcoin willy-nilly because, again, I, I, exactly. I have the story of buying a $900 burrito back in 2016 <laughs> because, oh. you know, what I spent. So uh, I don't think people will spend it initially. I think what will happen is these businesses will say, we accept Bitcoin. And then in order to get it, you have to give a discount. And it's going to be like major, major discounts. Like imagine Bitcoin going to half a million. There's no way people are, you know what I mean? Like once people see that, they're like, man, I need an 80, 90% discount to part with my Bitcoin. So you'll mm-hmm. see people that I think denominating in Satoshis at that point. I know some people have talked about $1 equal one Satoshi, one cent equal one sat. If that happens, again, like you said, owning, let's say right now you own a million Satoshis. Right now, a million Satoshis is like 600 bucks. Like <laughs> yeah. literally, well, if $1 equals one Satoshi in 20 years, you could essentially make your family millionaires for $600 today. And I don't even want to get into if it one equals one cent. That's, you know, hundred million dollars, oh, $10 million. Yeah. So um, again, you're right. And I think because we're so used to the dollar standard, we say it in that way. But to me, it's, I think about Satoshi's as one Satoshi equal $1. And mm-hmm. when you spend it, that's what it should be. So when like Tesla, when they're like, yeah, we accept Bitcoin. What is it? 60,000 Satoshi's? Cause that's, yeah. that's the most you're getting out of me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not spending Bitcoin. I think those discounts will have to be put in once businesses accept it. And again, I think people are missing the fact that there's going to be businesses that say we only accept Bitcoin or only crypto because we're every time we get the dollar, it's inflated and hyperinflation, you know. So I, I think all those factors will lead to Bitcoin being a medium of exchange. And uh, moving forward, it'll be considered money and we'll all look back and be like, man, 60,000 Bitcoin was cheap as hell. We should have got, got more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um... So with your book, uh, Bitcoin in Black America, I wanted to ask you, um, 
what was the what was the motivation behind that? I mean, it you know, I can kind of figure out, but I want to hear in your words, um, you know, and, and how did that come about? So I knew Bitcoin was a huge technological innovation. Um, you know, early on, I realized it was a lot to learn. But in 2015, after about two years of reading and learning every day, I started to see the synergy between Bitcoin's group economics and the Black community's need for a system that promotes group economics. So, uh, and what I mean by that is Bitcoin is to me the best form of group economics because for one, I don't have to know you. I don't have to talk to you. I don't even have to like you. We can have totally different worlds and somehow we're all getting richer together just because we decided to use the same money system. Beautiful group economics. And anybody can join any age, any race, anybody. So that's to me, great group economics. On top of that, I feel like the black community can build using that group economics because every group of people that have succeeded or, or gone on uh, to be successful in this country have used group economics to help each other uh, simply because uh, it works. And even though people may say, hey, we have an open society, we have this, still a lot of things in place from before that affect communities now. And I think Bitcoin opens that up. It gets rid of those barriers, those divides. So when I wrote the book, I wanted to make sure I targeted Black people because we can't miss it this time. Like this is the internet again, and we can't miss the technological innovation that comes from this either as an investor uh, participator, developer, whatever it takes, the Black community has to be involved. And I also um, wrote the book because I felt like about 80% of it uh, could apply to anybody, even though it mm -hmm. was for the Black community. When, when you read through it, you're like, yeah, this, this solution can apply to anybody. So I made a solution-based book. It is not a whole bunch of woe is me. We should be sad. We should No, it's like, all right, we are great as a group of people. We just have to shift where we put our energy. Because if we put it into the fiat system, no matter what civil rights, no matter what change you think is going to happen, you're still feeding the system that's oppressing you. Um, mm -hmm. And that makes no sense. Why would you fund your own oppression? That makes absolutely no sense. So with Black people, I wanted to show that with Bitcoin, not only do we have allies, we also have people who we don't know, don't ever have to talk to that will all help us get better and have a better money system. So had to put this book out. And I think the reception has been good simply because uh, even though it's pointed towards the Black community, it applies to everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's good for any community, like, you know, just yeah. us as a human race, you know, yeah. community, mm -hmm. um, you know, it can it can look uh, towards anything. But, you know, with everything that, you know, has gone on in the in the last year, you know, I think that I think it's a great thing for, you know, um, like you said, for you to reach out to your community and say, hey, like, <laughs> let's not miss this. Um, exactly. You know, I heard you on uh, Peter McCormick, I think, talk about uh like the exit and freeway system, you know what I mean? And like mm -hmm. in the oppression and, and the redlining yeah. and all that. And like, just from my own personal experience, as soon as you said that, talked about that, about how you could drive by it and not even know it was there. Mm -hmm. I would take the bus down. Like I, I never rode the public bus until I uh, took it to go down to university of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. So I'm riding the bus and instead of going on the highway, like it normally does, it goes through all the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I had no idea all this was here. <laughs> I've never exactly. seen these neighborhoods. And I was like, yeah. and like literally there's like a line of trees that separate the highway from mm -hmm. like the neighborhood. And you just don't even know. You just, just drive by. Yeah. Just drive by. And you never have a reason to go in that neighborhood because a lot of times those neighborhoods underdeveloped, food deserts, poverty, maybe crime. And all of that is because they don't have a chance to even have an increase in property value. Like you can't even mm -hmm. increase your property value if you wanted to living near a highway. That's why it was built straight through it. And when that happens, you can't really have the tax money or that's coming in 
support that community. And then it's just onward fumble process all the way down to the point where it's not really, uh, you know, much value. And then people come in and scoop it up, um, which people call gentrification. And that's what's happening now. Um, and it's a very simple um, process. The problem is people just don't realize it until, like you said, you were taken to a neighborhood and didn't even realize it. And it was like, I didn't even mm-hmm. know this was here. Uh, so that's really a lot of why the, I wrote that book too, because I was surprised that people didn't know about redlining. Like I've been hearing about that my whole life. I was surprised that people didn't understand um, the financial system shutting out black people for years systematically and then coming back and saying, yeah, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like it's, <clears throat> it's mm-hmm. a lot of mental abuse there that I, I was surprised people didn't know about. But now that people do, you understand the plight. And I, that's why I really want black people to get into the space because I was like, nobody should want Bitcoin more than us. We should be fighting tooth and nail to get this implemented as a system because it's like all has been done to us, man. Banks shouldn't even, should be the, the last thought in our mind as much as they've done. So you're right. Uh, I'm just glad that once you get the education, and you know it, uh, you can learn from there and use it. Uh, you guys can, you know, stand on the graves of the banks because they're going <laughs> down. And, you know, yeah. I, it, uh, yeah, it, it's just the thing, you know, with, with Bitcoin, like you said, you don't even know who the people are. It's like the thing I love about it is it's like it's colorblind. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you could have you, you could have it traveling between wallets of people from all over the world. And mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a it's a system. It works. You know, it's a software, yep. you know, mm-hmm. like uh, like Microsoft software doesn't care you know, who you are or what you are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Internet doesn't care who you are, what you are. Um, it's curious because I think, you know, just from from having followed you on Twitter here for a while, I think I can get the vibe that we we agree a lot on how politicians uh, <laughs> just are as human beings. <laughs> but yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I saw your, your tweet recently saying something about like how, you know, you don't want to get on anybody's uh, I think you just said it yesterday, like you don't want to get on anybody's cause or anything unless yeah. it's about economics. So exactly. explain that a little bit. Uh, so I think recently, um, and it's crazy, this is probably the last 10 years, every time something's done to somebody, there's a big social media uproar and there's all of a sudden a cause we're supposed to care about. I mean, I could go through the whole list right now, uh, cause is stop Asian hate. It was Black Lives Matter before that. It was uh, bring back our girls before that. It was a bunch of stuff that I feel like people fake care about. They don't yep. really care. Yep. That, like if you, all right, the definition of caring means that you would actually be out doing something about it. Typing that you care or typing that this is bad, that does nothing. And and that's mm-hmm. what I've seen a lot in the social media era. Um, as far as joining these movements, it's like, okay, so what about the money part? Like where's the, uh, all this st- talk about stuff. And even with, uh, for example, a lot of people are surprised when I speak out against Black Lives Matter because they think all black people are supposed to just join this organization and believe in what they do. No, I'm never gonna be partial to an organization that wants to get rid of the nuclear family, gets hundreds of millions of dollars and doesn't give it to black people. Like what, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. They're to me, the opposition as well. So joining causes isn't really my thing. I've always been sort of a, a solo person. I like partnerships, like individual people. I like small groups, but I'm never really, uh, I, I hate being pigeonholed into a box. You know what I mean? So that's why I don't mm-hmm. join organizations. And I feel like most of their their plights are corny. Like, it's it's like, what, what are you trying to tell us here? I mean, some of them are legit, but it's the aftermath of it. Like George Floyd being killed was a real problem. Like policing mm-hmm. is something we got to figure out. The aftermath of it, of all of a sudden, um, you know, there's 
you know, all these riots and then there's people breaking. I'm like, I don't, I'm not a part yeah. of that organization because now you're tagged with that. Like, ah, oh, you were a part of the yep. problem. It's like, no, if you want to know something, ask me individually. I will tell you, I don't join groups like that. And honestly, I think most Bitcoiners are sort of in that range simply because once you get into Bitcoin, go down a rabbit hole and you learn all of the things, all of the misconduct, all of the corruption that's happening in the world. It's like, yeah, all this other stuff is literally here to divide us. Like, yeah, literally, it's, it's put out there to make you feel like that group's less than this group or our group is better than your group. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, economically, if we're all broke, what the hell are we even talking about? Like, that's mm-hmm. what I've always said. It's like you got a bunch of broke people arguing with each other. And I'm like, you do realize the real enemy is just sitting back laughing, getting paid off. of you. Oh, yeah. That's what I've always said. So as far as joining groups, not my thing. And I, I like even in college, I got recruited for, for frats or fraternities and i just tell them no i don't join groups because one dude could do something and then i'm a part of this group now all, all the alpha alphas act this way or all the capitals act this way, or whatever it was and i was like no nah, i'd rather be an individual uh yeah. <laughs> and bring you all to me and they ended up throwing parties at my house but you know that's another yeah. story so again <laughs> uh, not joining groups brings people to you and i think it's in this day and time it's, it's sort of different because everybody has some plight or cause or something they're fighting for and mm-hmm. to me, it's just if it's not economic, it's not worth fighting for. Yeah. And I mean, I think economics solves so many of the problems. Yeah. You know, it, oh, um, yeah. and uh, it, it's interesting you say about, you know, the, the two things that happened in the last year, the, you know, insurrection of the Capitol um, and yeah. and then all the riots over the summer. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to grab everybody and be like, that's arguing with each other and say, like, do you understand that there are bad actors mm-hmm. that do not represent the message as a whole? You know what I mean? Because like, mm-hmm. let's just say people that were, you know, pro Trump and at his rally were probably people that over the summer going like, why are they, why is black lives matter destroying all these, you know, neighborhoods mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, well, no, no, no. There's some like small, small bad actors that get in there and make the rest of you look bad. And then it turns around and it happened to them because now everybody's like, oh, if you, you know, if you were a Trump supporter, you obviously <laughs> wanted to like storm the Capitol. It's like, no, like nope. it, in in fact, it was probably some of the same people doing some of the same stuff on both, you know, and they they just want us to fight against each other. And like, you know, it, it, me being a movie person, I see this like cinematic moment of like where like everybody's in the streets fighting and then like mm-hmm. all of a sudden like turn their attention to like the politicians and <laughs> the media and like mm-hmm. the media and politicians like you know buttholes are gonna pucker like, <laughs> like oh, good. You're, exactly uh, you know. and you're right I, I think that day is coming and the only reason is is not uh more prevalent is because the people you're talking about that we're fighting against they're very quiet they don't have public images a lot of times their public image is the politician so when I hear mm-hmm. politicians speak and they say something that doesn't make sense, I'm like, all right, who's supporting them? Who's behind them that's making them say this? Who's the puppet master? Because honestly, most of these, all of the politicians have a boss. Yep. They're not going out and saying what they feel. I mean, I think the last person, the only person to do that was Trump. Uh, I think Trump really <laughs> did just go out there and talk how he felt, <laughs> which uh, good or bad, whatever he was saying, at least it was him. Like I said, that it was is like, the funniest I, thing. He I really mean, did just. <laughs> the you dude just, just, just said whatever he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, like like I said, I know I know it's a you know really polarizing subject to talk about Trump, but I always say there was never before or probably after him a more entertaining president. He literally came out and he talked like one of us. He was on Twitter just talking. And and I think yeah. <laughs> other politicians who seem clean cut and they have a perfect 
uh, message. Actually, I distrust them more because it's, it's very planned. They have a, you know, whatever agenda they're trying to get. And honestly, if you as a human being can't speak for yourself, I tend to not have as much respect for you, not as a person, but for your profession. I don't really have respect for professions where you can't do what you want. I mean, it just freedom to yeah. me is just at, at all costs. Like, I, I don't care. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of notorious in my family because <laughs> I used to quit every job. <laughs> like, I, just, <laughs> I, I was good at getting jobs, but if it got to a point where I felt too constricted, I would leave. Like, I don't care. I broke out and, and my mom thought I was crazy. But I was like, when I say freedom is the goal. I promise you, I would do whatever it takes to get there, even if it means suffering for a little bit to get there. So, yeah, you're right. I think uh, a lot of their speak is <clears throat> very misleading. And I think a lot of what we're going to deal with is the people, once they start learning about the money system and they see all of this corruption, I think it's starting. Like Goldman Sachs saying Bitcoin was trash and then coming out now saying you can get it. JP Morgan, mm-hmm. same thing. I think people are starting to see like, hold up, this corruption is right in front of our face now. So yep, I think I think that day is coming. Yeah. They've been manipulating the money supply long enough and, you know, playing, you know, I feel bad for, you know, just, I mean, uh, across the board, anyone in like the middle class, lower middle class. And like, once you start to realize how their, their wealth is just getting sucked right out from underneath them, you know, and, um, you know, it's like, you look at, you know, the jobs, like, you know, people working at Target and wherever, where I'm just like, man, like your, your rate is not going to go up at the at the rate that you need it to go up mm-hmm. in order to to keep paying for the house that you're already in you know yeah um, and when, what happens to those working at walmart when they show up and they're you know making 15 12 an hour they show up and milk is eight dollars and bread is six and you know prices because prices are going up on almost all commodities like by a mm-hmm. lot uh, i have a friend who uh, builds houses the price of lumber went up 30 percent in the last couple months like that's yep. he was like this is the first time i've ever seen that and he's been doing it for 30 years so like I tell people, it's like, it's slow, but when it happens, it's almost too late for you. And that's what, like what you said, those people that are just regular everyday people might have a kid, might have a marriage, family, just going to work and, you know, living their life is going to hit them the hardest. And because if you can't literally can't afford stuff, I mean, I'm not wishing bad on Walmart, but I'm pretty sure if all of Walmart's employees just showed up and said, no, nah, I'm just taking what I want. Well, yeah. I don't think anybody would really complain except Walmart. They'd be like, hey, why not? Yeah. I mean, they got all, they got all yeah, the money yeah. anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. And nobody's going to feel bad for Walmart. That's for sure. Um, yeah. No. And like, you you know, yeah, like you're, we're actually we're in the process of the very beginning stages of building a house. And yeah, the I'm like sweating. Like, I think I was having like a nightmare last night related to like lumber cost. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to take six months for this house, six to eight months for this house to be built. Like, Jesus Christ! Like the price is gonna go up so fast. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> twice like, as much. And like I'm just terrified. Like that it's mm-hmm. but but you know then you start to think about like could you imagine if you weren't if you were asleep at the wheel? You know, like no you said, way. like all the people, it's just they have no idea what's gonna hit them. Like, um, do you think we'll see something like Weimar Republic inflation? I mean, not that crazy, but mm, like maybe not that deep. Um, because again, they were burning money for heat. I don't know if we get that far. <laughs> Uh, but I think I don't even really want to say that we won't, because, again, every empire that's ever existed, your life expectancy is about 100 to 150 years. Mm-hmm. I think we're at 130 or so as a quote unquote empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's just in my opinion, it's possible, but it's not probable because I think we can prop it up enough to make it seem as though we're doing fine. But if if China does what I think they're going to do is they're going to get as much 
Bitcoin infrastructure and technology stuff going and then just say, mm, we'll use the Chinese wine. We don't need the dollar. That's when I think the house of cards, you may see a lot more stuff because once people start saying we don't need the U.S. dollar, uh, man, I, I would hate to see it. But again, our only response is war. We don't have yeah. a, we don't have an economic answer to people saying we don't want to use it. It's just war. So um, Viral Republic, maybe, but I, I don't think it's probable, but it is possible. Yeah. And I mean, you think fixing the money. So that's an interesting take. So you think what China is going to do is use Bitcoin because a lot of people say, oh, China is going to own it and then destroy it, own Bitcoin and destroy it. You know, and I mean, they I'll all just spend billions that, of dollars to destroy. <laughs> yeah. It's something that you can't destroy, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, but you think that uh, they're going to use it to get off the dollar and just and, and tank the U.S. economy, which man, yeah, just, that really just will. did a story this week. We just did a story this week where they said the digital wand. Um, they actually stated uh, with the digital wand, we won't have a use for the U.S. dollar. And that to <laughs> me is just like they, t- they keep taking small shots at the U.S. sort of probing us. And again, like I said, I don't know where all of this social stuff comes from, but it's just funny that, again, uh, Biden gets elected, and then when they go over to China, they get disrespected. Did you did you hear about that? When China they, oh, they gave them, uh, no no no, they gave them COVID test anal, and then they say, oh sorry, it was a mistake. And oh, if you know exactly, if you know geo, if you know uh, <laughs> world politics, which I had an old girlfriend that kind of broke it down to me, is that China always sort of tries the U.S. like you know what you, I mean, like, like submissive in a, in a very su- exactly in a very subtle way, they do things to make it seem like. We think you're weak. And I think that's why Hillary Clinton was elected. They don't respect women as leaders. I think yep. Joe Biden as a leader, they don't they don't respect him. So, again, they're, they're slowly doing these small things, probing at the U.S. like you all are weak. Like we don't. And they were even talking that way, like the U.S. the work <laughs> like yeah, they, yeah. they just to me, they just don't respect us that much. But they also have so much uh, money in Bitcoin they can use as a reserve system. They can use a digital wand, issue it to their uh to their citizens and then they can say we don't need it for international settlement we don't need the dollar for international settlements what are we going to do go to war with china and i just see the game theory playing out now because it's too it's too many coincidences at the same time i don't Mm -hmm. believe in coincidences anymore because it's too too much going on at the same time so i think china has has their game theory and they have a hundred year plan yeah i was just gonna say that they don't care about like 10 years the plan is not to be second (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) they didn't plan to to be second Exactly. So um, even if they created COVID or not, it worked for us. Uh, if you wanted to see a, a group of people, just a group of leadership fall by the wayside, our leaders just that man, oh. they, they shit at the bed <laughs> this oh, year. Yeah. It was just terrible how they responded to it. So even if let's say, for instance, it did come out of China and this was just a psyop to see how we would respond to a, a, a tragedy or emergency. It we, couldn't have gone better for them. F, F minus. China's looking at us like, oh, we can take them out anytime. Oh, if they, yeah. If they all been to the will of this inept government based on, you know, some facts we threw on TV and scared everybody. You know, again, I'm not a health person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looking, though, at the statistics, something that kills 0.01% of people, if they all, you know, conform based off that, hey, China might have us. So I'm just saying, I just think about game theory and the bigger picture with what Bitcoin can become. Yeah, which I think, you know, what big why people need to get into Bitcoin and why it's so important is that you're really looking out for yourself from here on out. Yes. You know, um, every man for himself. And, you know, and we'll work together, you know, like we'll all help each other out. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, you gotta, like, I feel safe knowing that Mm. it's like, oh man, if this goes down, Bitcoin is going to be 
through the roof price wise like it's gonna be great oh, yeah. um yeah. if you're in it um <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah it's just uh it's crazy to think about you know because they china they don't care about it happening in their lifetime they're they're focused on like mm-hmm. centuries you know they're exactly. looking at like their their great-grandchildren Mm-hmm. And what kind of, you know, they want them to be in first place. They don't care about themselves. So it's a different exactly. culture too, you know, like that's, that's kind of their culture. We're here, like we're just consumerism and what's right mm-hmm. in front of me right now. And, and we've been stupid enough to just, they probably just walked us right down the trail. They're like, wow, look at like every time they put another jelly bean down, they're like um, jelly bean down. They're like, look how stupid these Americans are. They just pick it up and eat it. And keep exactly. going. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I think uh, just, like I said, in my talks, they're doing most of the stuff deliberately and they can see the cracks forming and most empires implode from within. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happening. We're slowly getting to a point where everything is off limits. Nobody can talk more control. I think uh, vaccine passports are coming. Like, it's just like, dude, if we, mm-hmm. I remember watching David Ick and, uh, and a few, uh, what's his name? Bill. I forget Bill's name, um, last name, but his, he, he got killed or he committed suicide because of his book. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah, I mean, I remember watching stuff like them like eight years ago and thinking, oh man, this won't happen in my lifetime. And here we are. Like we're yeah. sitting here at the face of all the things we didn't want to happen and it's happening. It's just, you know, people have everyday lives and they, they just ignore it. So where do you think we go from here? Because I mean, to me personally, I'm like the freedom of speech suppression that we've seen and the um and now the the passports are the two things that have me just like whoa this is a big problem like what do you think happens here well i know for me personally what happens is the house i'm getting outside of this country uh will be ready in a couple months so (laughs) i know what is happening with me uh but with others what i think from here where we go is people have to understand nobody's going to help you push back against what's happening you, you have to decide, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to do it. And then collectively, if you have a bunch of individuals who aren't going to take it, that's when you have a group. You don't have to try and wrangle everybody to agree with you. You know what I mean? Like me, I just know my family isn't dealing with the vaccine passport or whatever steps they try. My family isn't. Mm-hmm. So that's that's 75 to 100 people. So if, a, if another family, if you get everybody to understand that we're not doing it, that's all it takes. So and then from the freedom of speech standpoint, I think what people are going to start doing and have already started doing is because it's so restricted in one side, they're going to the complete opposite. Like mm-hmm. the dirtier, the better. And yeah, <laughs> like they, yeah. it's like a crowd of people. And living in L.A., I used to go to the comedy club four, four or five times a week. And, you know, my favorite genre of comedy, the dirtier, the better. Like I like yeah. it disrespectful because I like awkward silence. And well, I, you like, said, I saw you say Patrice O'Neill. Patrice and I love O'Neill, Patrice. my favorite, favorite comedian of all time. Like, I like awkward silence. I like people to be uncomfortable because to me, that's when you see real humans. When everybody's yeah. jovial and everybody feels comfortable, whatever. But when you see <laughs> a joke yeah. or free or speech come out, like right now, I say Bill Burr is probably the best at that. Every time he yeah. tells them, he speaks just like he did before, but it's just in this era, all of a sudden it's like, what? You can't talk yeah. about blah, blah, You can't say this. And he's like, what do you mean? I've been saying it for 30 years. I can't, you know, whatever. Yeah, he'll not so change think... it. Him and Patrice are good buddies too, you know, they were like... Exactly, the, yeah. <laughs> Bill Burr, Patrice, that whole, that whole lineup at the Comedy Cellar <clears throat> was, was legendary. And a lot of them are famous now and, you know, went on. But I think that type of speech is where we're headed. Like, people want to see people speak regularly because you go on social media and everything is a 
is a diss to some other group. You can't say this word, you can't say that. And I understand the historical ramifications of some of these words, but most of it to me is just projecting, it's the oppression Olympics. Everybody is projecting that we're oppressed because somebody said something bad about me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like as an, as an adult man, I cannot let that stop me from doing anything. Like, I can't look my daughter in the face and say, oh yeah, all this terrible speeches are stopping me from establishing your legacy. No, not going to happen. So um, yeah. yeah, I think where we're headed is a lot more individuals looking to be self-sovereign and pushing back against this sort of overwhelming need to be socially right. I don't care. that Socially right to me is, those are handcuffs because you can't yeah. talk now. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't say What do you mean? Yeah, like having an opinion and saying it out loud now, it's like, you can't say, like whenever I says you can't say something, I probably try my hardest to say it, double down on it. Just because oh. it's like, what do you mean? I'm a grown man. I'm free. I can say what uh, I want. It's uh, I'm always you have to be it's just like compulsion to like break rules like I don't know if you can relate to this but like um, me and my wife were in London you know hey my god this before kids so it was a while ago but um, Mm -hmm. but we uh, we went in Buckingham Palace she loves London and anytime (laughs) she'd gone there with her friend before um, but they didn't get to go into Buckingham Palace at the time because either open or closed so she was like so excited we go into Buckingham Palace and we're walking around and like she's like getting pissed at me because I'm just sitting there like we're looking at like some of the family and I'm like pictures, you know, it's like their family photos on the mm-hmm. fireplace. And I was like, God, you can tell some of them hit the ugly every branch of the ugly tree. And she's like, oh, she's like, this is their house. You can't say this. Yeah. So then uh, I'm like, oh, you told me I can't say it. Well, now I'm going to do it. So yeah, I'm like, pushing it. it to the next level. And then we go into this one room and they had like this all this stuff behind velvet ropes, you know signs everywhere not to touch anything Mm -hmm. and they had this uh table a solid gold table given to them by napoleon bonaparte and like you know to the family uh, however many years ago however long ago and Mm -hmm. i just like i'm sitting there looking i told her i said yeah i'm gonna touch that and she was like (laughs) she literally (laughs) left me she was like all right Uh, if you're getting kicked out you're getting kicked out on your own (laughs) but it's just like i had to do it like i was like I, I put my hand on it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. And walked away. Like, there we go. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, hey, we were right there because my, 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 my fiance knows that. She knows if you tell me to not do something, I'm probably going to try my hardest to do it. And if I was in Buckingham Palace and they were pointing out stuff, I want to go. But whenever they point out stuff, we did kind of joke that whenever they do, we were going to say, oh, that was stolen from Africa. <laughs> and that was stolen. <laughs> like, as the, as the group is being told, yeah, this was given to. No, nah, that was stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> just to see their reaction <laughs> because it was i mean historically it would be oh correct, yeah but i i like the, i like awkward silence because you can tell when real emotions come out you know what i mean like you can tell when people are really like oh you weren't supposed to say that there's no such thing not to me yeah. there's no such thing as what you can't say uh yeah. so yeah i would love to just embarrass myself at the buckingham palace probably get kicked out it's probably one of my top things to do because to <laughs> me all the stuff people hold in high regard I know. It's like it's my job to take it down a notch. Like, dude, calm, calm down, bro. Y'all have y'all printed the money and then gave it to yourself. I, it's not. Yeah, I, well, I don't care. I don't care about this family. Oh, uh, dude, we gotta hang out because it's we'd have some fun. I'd I'd love like my wife. I would say mm-hmm. that's was whole, the whole walk afterwards. I was like, she still gives me a hard time because I was like ripping on the royal family. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's the point of them? I was like, they don't even. I was like, what? The prime minister comes over and sits down and has like tea with the the queen once a month. You know, like what's the big deal? What are you four years old? You have a tea <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This rag on the royal family. Oh yeah, you got to do it, man. Uh, the um, uh, 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, so if you don't want to say where you're going, but I'm asking just because I want to know what country people think is safe to move to. So if you don't want to oh, say yeah. that's cool, but if so, where are you move, where are you building the house at? Oh, so right now, Barbados. No um, way. <clears throat> yep. Barbados. Uh, actually I have about three business partners that are already there and it's like prime for crypto people, 0% capital gains tax. And uh, they've had a lot of their local politicians uh, speak on crypto and try and get regulations implemented. Um, they just don't know. That's the thing mm-hmm. is, and that's one of the reasons I'm going. So going there for about a month and a half uh, just to check everything out, get everything in place. But yeah, I'm looking at different places, Belize. Uh, I've looked in Ghana uh, for different places because in my opinion, you want to at least have a backup option outside of the country, uh, if not number one option. And I'm not telling people to just run away from the U.S. Hey, my ancestors are from America. I, I don't want to leave here either. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is when it comes to survival, if you can't see it before it happens or if you can't visualize it, a lot of times when it happens, it's too late. So to me, just looking at how things are, there may, may be a need to maybe slide outside the country for a little bit, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe come back. Uh, but just having that backup plan, just just having that in place is, is what I'm looking towards. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, I have that, you know, exit strategy of like we talk about like uh, my wife has like the day to day you know mm-hmm. she's the micro and i'm the macro so that it's yep. like likewise if, uh, yep. you know if, if shit hits the fan like then she'll look at me and i'll be like and like this car will pull up and like you know it'll just whisk <laughs> us away it's like oh my god you had this already for land i'm like yeah i'm oh. ready to get out of here like you know <laughs> it's a you know it's with everything um you know one thing you know kind of how you mentioned with like all the all the rioting over the summer and everybody was like oh it's black lives matter blah 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 and and Mm -hmm. pinning it all on one community um and my own personal experience was in pittsburgh they had they burnt a cop car in front Mm -hmm. of um in front of uh the hockey arena and it was like it just really like real that was like the thing that like really bothered me you know because it was like oh it's in my hometown you know what i mean like yeah. i was i was just there taking a picture with my five-year-old in front of like the mario lemieux statue and all of a sudden there's a car burning <laughs> there and like it was Man. just like what the hell is going on so um so it was the next day i went and i was like all right i'm buying like buying another gun that's you know that's uh yeah the tradition if something goes down <laughs> you gotta go buy another one um just like in north carolina i'm with you brother yeah and we, i walk into the store though they opened at 10 i walked in at 1005 and the line was like eight deep and and it was like you know black white asian like middle eastern like we were all just like and we were all like looking at each other like, yeah shit's crazy you know like <laughs> <laughs> you know why i'm here yep. <laughs> in the words of marshawn you know why i'm here yeah, I think we and, all know what's going down, you know. And like, and I, I wanted to ask you this. Let, let me see what you think about this because I have yeah. a not a theory, but it's just something I've noticed. A lot of times, whenever these quote unquote riots happen, there's always one single cop car that's abandoned that is put on fire. Oh yeah, every Baltimore a bait uh, car, St. Louis. I feel like it's a, a bait, bait car. car. It's got to be a bait car because they can. The city can afford to give up one car. The thing is, when the media covers it, it's like a blazing fire, city on city in flames, blah blah blah, and then when and they zoom out it's literally like that one block and the rest of the city isn't nothing's yeah. happening so i think that bait car has got a lot of people to the point where they think oh they're burning down and they're trashing everything it's just like oh, there's one car was on fire and then and people broke stuff whatever we don't know those people either because i've seen a lot of people who uh it, they would say oh these black people are messing it up but i've seen more white people 
uh, knocking out windows and doing stuff who I think were either agents or undercover or working because they would literally I, I've seen videos of them paying kids to go knock out windows in a car. Of course, some 16 year old kids gonna take $200 to knock out windows of a cop car. Like, oh, yeah. but that 16 year old kid not going to do anything. You know what I mean? Like long, what, what power do they have? They don't, that's pretty much all the power they have is messing up that bait car. So I've always wondered if people have noticed it like I have. It's always one car left and it's yep. on fire. Yeah. Well, in, <laughs> like I've never seen, me and my wife actually both worked there and I'd never mm-hmm. seen a cop car parked there. It's like, I was like, what? That's weird. Like, why is there a cop car? <laughs> That's just weird. Left yeah, in the exactly. middle, and it just happens to be in the path, right where everything is going. Yeah, and it's like, you, you, like you said, you don't believe in coincidences. Like, you know, you just look at these yeah. things. You're like, man, like, <laughs> there's a lot of coincidences going on in this last year. You know, it's mm-hmm. really every, it's, every time. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be every time, man. I mean, and like, what are the odds too with the insurrection? What are the odds that? people could actually breach the capital like are you kidding me like impossible you can't get on a plane impossible if, yeah <laughs> you can't get on a plane if you have too much shampoo but like mm-hmm. if if apparently if a group of you just showed up to the capital it's like oh yeah i mean like the cops are just gonna stand down you know no 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 i should have been a massacre that should have been a massacre honestly if we're honestly speaking the security i thought they had at the white house all the times i've been to dc it's a line of them like out yep. front on a regular tuesday like it's just mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen so yeah it should have if it was you know actual a real thing should have been a massacre should have been a hundred some people got shot <laughs> 20 yeah. more that's what it should that's what the news should have been but the fact that it was like two people i was like all mm-hmm. right this is definitely something's going on here somebody planned it or somebody let them through whatever it is it's funny and that really like that really drunk uh dude that like got in there like he was like drum one like sitting <laughs> on the chair i was like oh my god this is like so he was celebrating a championship yeah like he was celebrating a championship i was like dude what are you doing you know it's cameras in here yeah. you're going to jail like the fbi rounding up everybody afterwards is kind of funny because they just oh, went yeah. home like it was over it's like no you should have had a backpack you should have been on the run from that point because they 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 could see your face and they can just reverse image it and they'll find you in, in two days yeah, like they're just taking pictures in like Pelosi's yeah. office. Like, yeah, oh yeah, no big deal. We'll just do this. Like, it's just uh, it's uh, it's wild. But yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that you know, for it seems like your dislike for politicians, um, I I'm not a I'm not a fan. I've never liked a politician. I always tell that there's not one I've ever liked. And um, mm-hmm. and it was interesting to see them all like the moment that like there were people making noise in the hallway. They were like tucked mm-hmm. behind the chairs, like, you know, yeah. and these are the people yeah. that will send your kids to war, you know, like they've mm-hmm. been sending kids to war for 20 plus years now in this war on terror. And, you know, yeah. and, the, the, and I, I think that should have been broadcast a little bit more. It's like, these are your leaders. Look how terrified they are. Look how scared oh, yeah. they are hiding behind chairs and crying. And I don't want to do it. It's like, if we went back to the olden days, uh, so to say, like the old humans or whatnot, the leaders were always the strongest, like physically, yeah. if they could do something. That's why we were joking and saying our whoever our president is should just be able to box the other country's president. And that's how we <laughs> solve our issues. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, nah, our president is stronger than yours. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. But I mean, really, we just have a bunch of politicians who are good at putting other kids in harm's way, messing up the economy for others and keeping themselves insulated and safe. And that was on display when they charged it i mean it was it was probably the the softest group of people i've ever seen in my life like literally cowering behind the fact that people came in it's like 
Yeah. Bro, you're in the White House or you're in the Capitol. Like, what do you mean? It's like the most locked down place. Calm down. So, yeah, it was just good to see. What is your opinion on them, too? Like, it makes me just cringe to see whenever, like, Pelosi and them after, like, the George Floyd stuff, like, they're kneeling down and, like... Kneeling. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Uh, that whole That whole era was was uh it was disrespectful like i don't think people understand it's disrespectful to take an issue black people getting killed by police and then turning it into some sort of show of solidarity which we all know isn't real and then you're wearing kinsey cloth oh uh, yeah and then taking it out of here get out of here like no black person that i respect would look at that and say i accept your apology there is no what, what are we talking about here uh, pass a damn law that actually works. <laughs> That's yeah. your job. You don't have yeah. to get on one knee for me. Just do your job. Like, and then, and then on top of that, some of the uh, virtue signaling coming from these corporations so fake. It was so oh, fake. Yeah. I mean, Starbucks flip flop back. It's it's whatever looks good for them to keep profit. So at the time, it looked good to say, yeah, we support Black Lives Matter. We support blah blah blah. And even Starbucks was like, they said what they really thought. It was like, no, we don't support it. And then they got backlash. It was like, oh yeah, now we support it. Like, come on, man. Like. The virtue signaling was was disgusting to me. It was very disrespectful because it's like they treat the black community for one at like we're monolithic, like we all agree mm-hmm. it's happening to all of us. It, no, I don't feel oppressed for one. And then for two, um, whenever they do come out with these solutions, they're whoever's guiding them or whoever they are. They may be black, but again, we don't agree. So mm-hmm. you're getting your stuff from black people, but it's still corny to the majority of the black community so I, I just hate it and i think that if, if people were actually good people you don't have to virtue signal like i i tell people all the time was like my my two best friends that are white we've never had a conversation about the n-word about uh about things that go on because they're good people like it wouldn't even yeah. happen like why would we even have this if you constantly have to tell me you're a good person you're probably not so that's what i hate from this uh from that era and of course continuing on like we said part of a bigger problem everybody socially wants to be correct and say what's it's just corny, man. And I think in real life, that's not the deal. That's not what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. When they when they put on the, the garb, I was like, oh my God. Like they they really are so tone deaf. They have no idea how yeah. terrible this looks. And you know, I it, I mean, obviously, because I'm not, you know, in the black community, so I don't understand, but like are, is it just like people are like sick of getting walked on by the politicians like i because i feel like it's like it's just so i think with that with that type of stuff like all the virtue signaling it was so obvious to me like wow they are just you trying to use trying they're not succeeding they're Mm -hmm. trying to use you know these different communities for for their own benefit um and i'm just like enough's enough you know like this is yeah this is it you know and like and really to me i mean with the with the cop thing it's like you gotta let's focus on the good cops and let's focus on making good cops because you need police you know exactly Um, like even even the 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 thing they were trying to do with like defund the police like get rid of all police i'm like who who is who 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 made that up point at them because that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard in my life you have (laughs) you have old people you have mentally challenged people you have people that need help uh just because you know women who live by themselves there's plenty of reasons why we need police what are you talking about they are bad police we should work as hard as we do to get good police to get out bad police. And again, to me, that's a win-win because then the police, they have a better, the police that work there that are good. You don't have to worry about these dudes. And then the people won't have to worry about the quote unquote bad cops. So I'm like, y'all, you have to understand like what you're saying 
makes no sense. And I think a lot of it is, and, and unfortunately, I think in the black community, they have, and by they, I mean media and the people who have the money, corporate people, corporate interests, they have succeeded in pushing, I think, black women to the front of the black quote unquote movement. That's why I think a lot of our responses have been emotional. Like none of it's logical. None of what they're doing logically makes sense to me. But from an emotional standpoint, if you have a bunch of women leading it and they're out there, you know, doing what they want to do, they're emotional. So they're just saying, well, we need to do this and we need to, and then we need to include everybody into it. We got to bring in the LGBT community. We got to bring in the trans community. We got to bring in the whoever. Stop Asian hate community. Now everybody is, what is it? What's the what's the thing? Black, indigenous, people of color. What the hell is that? Somebody just made up something and now I'm a part of it? No, bro. This is the goofiest stuff ever. And I think that unfortunately, the people that the people listen to in the black community, they're on TV. But to get to that point, to get in their good graces to talk on TV, you sort of have to conform to their message. And that's what mm -hmm. I think is missing is that like you, you yourself, like you say, you're not in the black community. If you wanted to find out things in the black community, you would go to what are called the gatekeepers, right? People who have shows, people who have, uh, you know, impact, whatever. Most of them only got that show because they have the same ethos. They have the same message. And most black people disagree with them, but that's not the crowd they're going for. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, and, and unfortunately, that's what we have to deal with. That's why I feel like voices like mine, other people who aren't quote unquote famous, real people mm -hmm. who have made a way, a lot of business owners, I think you would probably be better talking to them about the black community because they're in the streets. They're out here every day like I am. Yeah, they understand, you know, what it means to grow a family. And then at some point somebody tells you, no, 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 you need me because you're oppressed. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> you know how disrespectful that is? Yeah. So, again, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is, but we live in a crazy time. and I'm just trying to make sure my family's good. Yeah, no, that's uh, more power to you. And by the way, I saw that. So you got engaged this weekend. Yeah, I got engaged, took the big step. Congrats. So, Oh yeah, was that yeah, the sweaty palms all day? You... All day, and, and you know what's funny? It was my birthday that day, so mm -hmm. I, that's the only way I could, could surprise her. She thought the whole day I kept forgetting it was my birthday because I, I I would pay for stuff usually, so she would try and pay like it's your birthday. I was like, oh yeah, it is my birthday, and then later she was like, now now I see why you kept forgetting your birthday all day. You were thinking about this. Oh, <laughs> I, was yeah. telling, I was like, I couldn't even I didn't even think about my birthday. I, I spent the whole day sweaty palms. Thinking about is it, am I gonna trip up the stairs? Am I gonna fumble when I get there? The ring, you know, is it in the box? You know, things like that. So just glad it's yeah. over. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it, it is. You know, I've got two young ones too, and you've got a young one. I mean, it's it's just so imperative, I think, for us to 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 be the the leaders of you know to lead us out of this mess where like just people like us and. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, you know what? <laughs> like looking at all the politicians and the corporate leaders, like, screw you guys. Like, yeah. we're done. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah, your my wife won't turn over. on the news. She won't turn on the news in the house because I'll spend 20 minutes. Just, Shut up. What are you yep. talking about? Shut, like from the other room. Like, I'm just like, this is stupid. Like, so yeah. <laughs> I heard on the radio, I just happened to hear by accident. And um, and it's so funny because I mean, I was dropping my son off at school and I'm like leaving school. So I switch off of his playlist that we listened on the way to school and the radio pops on real quick. And only thing I hear is that like the Pennsylvania governor said because of the recent shootings that we 
um, and the spike in violence in gun violence in the last 12 months, we need to have stricter laws on guns. And I was just like, I wonder why, like I literally yeah. out loud yelled that. I, yeah. was like, I wonder why, I don't know. You, you shut everybody in their house for 12 months and, mm-hmm. you know, make people go crazy. Also mm-hmm. shove all this stuff down their throats. I wonder why, wonder why yeah. gun violence might be up, you know, like, let's, let's figure this out. It has nothing to do with the laws. It has everything to do with what you're pushing on us. And, yeah. um, you know, it, I think something that's probably going to hit people and I want to hear what you think of this. I feel like our freedoms that it's not so much that our freedoms are going away. It's that they were never there and the veil is just mm. dropping. And exactly. that, I'm so that's glad that's kind of what that. freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah, do you I, think of all of that? Well, I've always said that a lot of the things we call freedoms are really just uh, like IOUs. They're just temporary stuff because at any point they can snatch it away. And what I mean by that, like you said, the veil being lifted is that we were our population has literally been cold to be controlled. That's that's what the public education system is for. That's what the the food system is for. You're being cold to be controlled. Uh, If you have dumb, fat, lazy people, it's really easy to tell them what to do. And as long as they have Netflix and they can order food, most people don't even care about what's going on in the outside world. So I think mm-hmm. the freedom veil that we're seeing is being lifted. I think the first step of that veil being lifted was the recession in 08. I don't, I don't really hear I mean, no, I won't say that. There were people before talking about it, but it was like individuals, literally. Yeah, it was random. Very like. sparse, very random. And after 08, I think people started discussing, hey, what? what's going on here? You mean this whole system can collapse? Because a few bankers made bad decisions, that's a problem. And then Bitcoin really pulled up the veil. I mean, literally, the, the emperor has no clothes. I think Bitcoin was the person who exposed that because now people are like, so you mean to tell me this money system can do all this stuff, but somehow with all you people in government, all this, you can't do it? You can't just have an open? So that that sort of, you let this little piece of technology 12 years ago take over or gain a trillion dollar market, the veil is being lifted up everywhere. And you're right. I think uh, the liberties that we think we have, uh, they can be taken at any time. Um, people talk about, you know, buy land and get stuff. It's like, yeah, but even that eminent domain, they could, <laughs> I yeah. mean, they could literally do anything. And the reason um, that I think this is happening is uh, not just, you know, physically thinking, but even sort of spiritually thinking like how the world is changing. I feel like everything is flipped upside down. I don't know if anybody else feels like that, but oh yeah, things that yeah. were supposed to be happening are not happening anymore. Things that were not supposed to happen are so, suddenly are the norm now. So I just feel like everything's sort of flipped upside down and it's because there's a big change coming and we're just here to witness it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's funny you say with like the eminent domain and everything like, and I, I hate, I hope like my neighborhood, like when we move, I hope they're not thinking like, Oh, we're getting out for like, because of the neighbors or whatever. And I try to communicate yeah. that to people. I mean, we didn't tell anybody we we're moving yet. We didn't put our, yeah. our house on the market, but like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, mean, I just, I don't want them like our neighbors are great. Like everybody's great. <laughs> and but mm-hmm. we're, I'm like, with everything that's happened, like I went acres and, yeah. and I'm like, I, I want my own space. But then, like you said, mm-hmm. with the eminent domain, I even feel like I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, honey, we have, we, we've got people too close to us. Like we, yeah. we need like, <laughs> like, we need like more acres. Yeah. We need like a mountain between us and everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll have to recruit you if you're if you're at all interested. I want to mm-hmm. produce this uh, animated show called The Citadel, and get Ooh, Bitcoiners nice. to like all be living in the Citadel in the anime ah. world and kind of make it like a Family <laughs> Guy type thing. That um, would be hilarious. I would love it. And, and everybody everybody's used to recording at home. Everybody's you know podcasters, so we all got 
you know the equipment i mean we could i think we could record it and everybody mm-hmm. can lend their voice and, and yeah. make it uh make it something fun but um so uh one other question i wanted to just to hit a couple more questions before we run um uh so is it i one of the people that asked us on twitter you know i asked a question and they basically to sum it up they said is it too late to buy bitcoin you know because i mean i know i'm hearing that a lot and you know when you walk into a, group, a room and tell people hey you should buy this thing it's you know it's fifty six thousand. It's fifty nine thousand dollars today. You should buy it, and they're just like, "Whoa, it's over!" Like it's never getting higher. <laughs> what would you say to that? Uh, so Bitcoin's price has no top because fiat has no bottom. So what you're watching Damn. is, yeah. I mean, when people say it's too early, uh, too late, I'm like, too late. It's been twelve years. Like we haven't even seen. We have not had a financial collapse during the history of Bitcoin. So we haven't seen Bitcoin used. For the main reason it was built, right? And that's when I think hyper Bitcoinization happens, is when the only asset that is still going up while everything else is falling apart, if that becomes Bitcoin, it's never too late. And I always tell people that if you think in Satoshis, because like you said, one Bitcoin is going to be impossible to get in maybe five to 10 years, think in Satoshis. Like I just said, a million Satoshis is 0.01 Bitcoin. And a lot of people can afford that right now, 600, 500 bucks. You can afford that. And again, that could create the generational wealth for your family forever based on the fact that I think Bitcoin, once it sucks up the bond market, <laughs> I mean, Bitcoin's going to be $10 million, $20 million a piece. So, um, yeah, it's not too late. Buy Satoshi's dollar cost average. And everybody thought it was late. When I first bought Bitcoin, it was $150, $170. <coughs> Sorry. I thought I was too late because... In 2013, I'm looking at Max Kaiser and some of these other guys. They're like, yeah, I was buying do- uh, Bitcoin at a dollar or five cents or 20 cents. I'm like, man, they already 100x? Yeah. I missed it. That's what people think. And I'm like, no. Now, imagine if in my head, I was like, yeah, I'm going to wait for a dip. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I'm going to wait for a dip and then buy some. Imagine if I did that. I mean, it, I probably would have left it alone and never bought it. So, uh, again, everybody thinks they're too late. Everybody thinks it's too high until the next bull run. And again, you'll be happy. You'll be very satisfied. Just dollar cost average and wait. Very simple. Um, and and what's up with the uh, with the new book? Um, oh, so you I, you have an extended version coming out. Well, the new book is completely new. It's just uh, oh, okay. More it's completely new book. Completely new book. Seven new chapters. Uh, added two hundred more people to the Black Blockchain Directory. Uh, and this book actually addresses. It's taking it up a notch, right? So the first book. It's cute. You know, it's to the point. It's for beginners. The second book is sort of like the 200 level course. Like you have mm-hmm. Bitcoin or you own crypto. Oh, that's fine. But you need to learn how to run a node. You need to learn how to establish your own private wallet and generate your keys. You need to know what to do uh, in marriage uh, when you have Bitcoin, because if we're talking about generational wealth. A lot of people's wealth is taken when marriage is split or when you have that grandkid that was stupid enough to spend all his money on something stupid. You know, what I mean, like they say yeah. dynasties yeah. last last three generations. So. I write about that. I write about different countries around the world. Um, the last book had about eight countries. This one has uh, 40. So you have 40 mm. different countries for remittance payments and then their policies locally, because I just told you a lot of people may need another place to go. So you want to know these cities to go to. So I think all of that in the second book is just taking it up a notch. And because of legal reasons, uh, I can't actually release it. But once my lawyer gives the go ahead, it will be out. I can't wait for people to read it. And I think it's definitely, definitely needed for this time. Especially some of the stuff, some of the stuff I wrote, I wrote it last July and like August, and it's coming uh, true right now. So I really can't wait to release it. So people are reading it like, 
did you just write this yesterday? It's like, no, I wrote it. And this stuff is coming to fruition now. So that's crazy. That's crazy. So how is it you are you getting close on the legal end? I mean, you get you think it'll be Yes, April April 17th is supposed to be the day I can release it. So you get the all clear April 17th. And the second I do, I'll be printing and shipping. So uh this and what's that one called again? Uh Bitcoin in Black America Volume Two. Okay. And it's just a completely new book. Okay. Completely yeah. new book. It's it's almost as if uh because I, I the first book was originally like 300 or so pages way too long. So I cut it down to 180 and the excess, the extra solutions that I thought were a little too advanced for beginners, that along with other stuff is the second book. And someone like me who is as translucent as they come, can, <laughs> except for my, my bright red tomato face, uh, the, it can, it can apply for me as well. Right. You know, Absolutely. cause it, yeah. I mean, I, I'm like hearing said, you talk about that, like nodes and everything. And that's where I, that's where I want to get. I'm like, I got to start learning that stuff. Like, I'm ready okay, to go did, to the 200 level. I got you. Yeah, it teaches you how to get a lightning node, how to set it up, um, how to do, <clears throat> how to set up a Bitcoin node, of course. And then also, it's three webinars that I've done that are attached to the book. So if you purchase the book, you get those three webinars. You also get the audio version and the digital version for free. All of that bundled into one. So it's more of an educational experience than a book. And I've introduced scarcity. So there's only 10,000 copies ever going to be available. Because um, oh, wow. I want to make... Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm the first person to do that, but I wanted to introduce scarcity uh, simply because, again, that's what gives a book value to me. And if you buy it, the price is $100. I feel like you can resell it later if you want to, um, because it'll be scarce. Literally, there's only 10,000 ever. I'm only after that. Yeah. If you don't have the information, the best you could probably do is a digital copy, but good luck. Yeah. Well, that uh, makes me think of, um, did you ever see the movie The Book of Eli? I haven't, haven't finished it. I, I uh, just start. I was maybe five minutes into it a long time ago. Never finished it. That's a that's a good one because it, uh, you know, it's it's Denzel walking with the Bible basically, and mm-hmm. and also Denzel is just like a his typical badass, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like Love destroying it. everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, all right, where can people find you? It's at Bitcoin Zay mm-hmm. on Bitcoin Twitter. Zay on Twitter uh, at um the isaiah jackson on instagram and bitcoin and black america.com and uh well thanks a lot for coming on man i really appreciate it and everybody check out uh look out for the the basketball tournament down at the the bitcoin open yeah. or what is that what it is the, yeah, the bitcoin classic yep the bitcoin classic bitcoin 2021 we'll be there june 5th and 6th all right thanks man thank you appreciate it Thanks again to Isaiah for coming on. I really appreciated him taking the time to talk about you know, Bitcoin, his books and everything. I'm sure he's talked about them a million times and he's got his new one coming out. So check out, uh, look out for that coming out on April 17th. But uh, yeah, it was, it was great uh, conversation. It was also uh, good to hear that there's someone else out there like me that likes to make people feel uncomfortable and say things. And, and you know, uh, if, I'm, if he's ever in Buckingham Palace, he'll, he'll touch the, the things behind the velvet ropes like I will. So um, really appreciated him coming on. And uh, you can check him out at uh, Community Crypto, his show, and at, at Bitcoin Zay on Twitter. Um, and if you have any questions or comments for me, just email me Bitcoin made simple podcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Bitcoin simply. Thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate it.